0: And your host for Climify. I'm here today to introduce you to a new podcast called Deep Dive. It's the idea of two amazing designers, Grace Tursich and Rachel Cifarelli. They are both recent graphic design graduates who are deeply committed to being climate designers themselves. They came to me towards the end of the first season of Climify with an idea. They love the podcast, however, They could see gaps and opportunities for them to help fill and explore, explaining topics and definitions that appear on the show in a deeper way to help the design student better understand the ins and outs on how they could be a better climate designer as well. I thought it was an amazing idea. I've seen this done before on other podcasts and felt they have a point. Some of the stuff my guests and I discuss on the show are nuanced and jargon. So I'm happy to introduce you today to Deep Dive. It's a mini series that explores opportunities for climate education through the eyes of recent design students. The classroom needs to see more intersectionality between design and climate. And Deep Dive is here to advocate for that.
1: Hello and welcome everyone. I'm Grace. And I'm Rachel. And this is our fifth and final episode of this series. Uh, we're super excited to talk about behavioral psychology and behavioral design. We'll be answering some questions like how behavioral design can create change, how it can be applied to the classroom and specifically design focused. And as a preface to this episode, please go back and listen to Climify's episode with Katie Patrick. Um, it is titled Fitbit for the Planet Design. It's a great episode. We will be diving deeper into the topics that Eric and Katie discuss. So let's get started.
2: Yay, last episode. I can't believe it. I can't believe we're like finally here. Like five of I know. <laughs> it's pretty wild. So I guess let's start out by just saying behavioral design. What is it? What did you find in your research?
1: A definition that I found about behavioral design that I really liked is that behavioral design is a set of techniques for persuasion. And in behavioral design, designers must respect a person's rights to freedom of choice, autonomy, and dignity. And I really liked that definition. That is from the uxplanet.org and their article, What is Behavioral Design?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think a huge part of that, like just jumping right in, a huge part of that is to allow the user to still maintain their autonomy while utilizing behavioral design. Because I think there's a very thin line that you can walk between positive influence and manipulation. It's a very fragile line that you have to walk when deciding when to use behavioral design. I think it requires true and intensive research for whatever it is that you want your users to be doing um, how you want to lead your users, um, and basically just think what are what do we want these users to be doing that benefits you know in our case benefits the planet while also still benefits them and like the the main goal that they want to accomplish.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I listened to Katie Patrick's uh, TED Talk. And she referenced this quote from, oh my gosh, I'm going to not pronounce this correctly at all. It is a French name. It is Antoine de Saint-Exupierre. I don't know. I'm sorry. Um, But um, the quote is, if you want to build a ship, don't drum up the men to gather wood, divide the work, and give orders. Instead, teach them how to yearn for the vastness and endless sea. And I loved that because it's talking about that choice and autonomy of the person. And in this case, in design, it's probably like the target audience or the, the consumer.
2: Yeah. I, I also watched her TED Talk and I feel like this is kind of going to be like a Katie Patrick, like fangirl episode. Just <laughs> She's because.
1: so cool though. She's so
2: cool. Like environmental engineer, activist, like tech guru, like, come on. Um, But I think I, I love that quote too, because it really, it, for me, set up this, this image of behavioral design where you show people what they could have and what they, like you, you show the positives of, you know, if they're making these choices or if they're doing what you want them to do, like if you're leading them in, in this direction, like what they can gain from that. And so you, you don't show these sailors, like here's the wood, here's how you build the ship like these are the technical aspects of it, but instead you show them like, this is the vast sea that you can go out and explore and you can be in this new environment and you can have this new um, perspective on your, on your surroundings. And I think that's really what I pulled from that quote. And a lot of what I pulled from her TED talk, because a lot of it was inspiring change through creativity and imagination. Um, and like vision and creativity will save our planet. There's no doom and gloom that's thats gonna get people to act.
1: Mm-hmm. And with, with that TED talk, one of the main points that I really enjoyed, Katie really gives power to creatives and we're speaking to creatives. And she says, changing the world is an inherently creative act because creativity is taking action to do things that we have not done before. And when she said that, like, I got the chills and I was chills. like, oh And I was like, but that is so like, it's taking creativity into more of like a, a broader term that can be applied to anything and giving it so much power.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I feel like we've been talking a lot about that just as a thread throughout all of these episodes is that creativity and design can be more than just making something pretty. Like it's, it can be, Use to uproot our systems and influence behavior and get people to actually um, do good in their world and inspire change and inspire action, which I think behavioral design kind of nicely ties that up in like a nice little bow. Is this is actually what can get people to act for the climate and something that she was talking about in the Climafy episode was this value action gap that really caught my attention. Um, And it's the idea that education does not always lead to action. People can know that they should do something or that one action will will align better with their values, but it doesn't actually mean that they're going to do that action because there's so many other things that come into account when people are deciding how to act or what to buy or who to align themselves with. So that really stood out to me in the Climify episode.
1: And when I heard Katie talking about the fact that knowledge does not equal action, I was like, I don't know, I was kind of upset. And I was like, it kind of, it flipped my thinking on its head. And it made me to kind of take a step back because I always thought, well, the more you know, the more you'll have the power and the, the desire to do something about it. And then Katie kind of said, well, no, that's not true. Um, <laughs> and I'm so happy that she, she explained it like that, but you can know so much information, but that doesn't necessarily lead to action. It's, the, it's like she was talking about the Martin Luther King speech. Like it's the inspiration that is going to cause action.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I agree with you, too, that hearing her say, like, education doesn't always lead to action. I, too, was was a little upset, because I think we all kind of have it in our head that the more you know, then the better that you can, the better decisions you can make. But that doesn't, that's not always the case. I think her, her speech, her TED Talk, and also her episode, and just the work that she does, can help empower creatives to think in this visionary way that can be kind of scary to think about just because there are always these, these roadblocks. There's always, what time do I have to think about this? Um, what money do I have to implement this? Um, and I, I liked her, what she was talking about in the TED talk of like setting aside one to three hours a day and just having that be, what did she call it? Like her creativity time, like her visionary time where she just sits and thinks and, with no constraints, with no, um, any kind of restrictions on herself and just imagines what a better world could be.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of like meditation, but like a creative meditation. And I thought that was really cool. And I feel like that kind of also goes back to our eco anxiety episode. Um, and I feel like that would like fall a bunch of like eco anxieties too. just having that time to creatively think and kind of like meditate on problem solving. I don't know if I have three hours to dedicate to that every day, but uh, maybe I can start a little smaller.
2: Yeah. She was like, I get up at six in the morning every day and just start doing it. And I have a toddler and I'm like, Katie, how do you do this? I can barely get up at eight o'clock in the morning
1: to like start my day at nine. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but I did, she did break it down into smaller steps in the Climify episode. Um, she was talking about specifically behavioral design and um, how easy it is to show that it can be rewarded when you have positive design. And she was just like, use smiley faces, use star stickers. Is it really that simple? And I, it is. And it sounds like even just like the smallest rewards can lead to bigger changes.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I liked how she broke it down like that and you know, kind of talked about it in, like, a classroom setting, like, um, get your students and have them perform behavioral design on their peers or on their family members just by, you know, telling, like, sending them a smiley face or sending them a frowny face or just those kinds of cues, those kinds of aspects, and then just, like, sitting back and seeing how your family members or your friends react to it and see that what is the C-A-R, Q ac-
1: action rewards.
2: Cue action rewards, like see, see that happen in real time, even if it's like smaller ways. Um, I think seeing it happen in those smaller ways can then inspire someone to do it in even bigger ways.
1: Mm-hmm. Did you have any of this, like we're talking about behavioral design and behavioral psychology, did you see any of this when you were in college or was this in any part of your curriculum?
2: So no it wasn't but like I <laughs> it just wasn't but so I majored in communication design and I minored in psychology because I wanted to like understand how people think and what makes people tick and like how to basically how to change behavior and this is the education that I never got in either my psychology classes or my communication design classes and like this is what I wish I had learned like I wish we had learned behavioral psychology and behavioral design and just like how to get people to act in a way that's not only beneficial to them but also beneficial to a greater cause um so no yeah. I did not get any of this in my education but gosh I wish I did and I really tried I thought I was yeah. I thought I was doing it you know like I minored in psychology but I didn't really learn what I wanted to from my psych minor
1: yeah you wish there was like a more like a clear intersection of design and psychology.
2: Absolutely.
1: Which is like again going down to our silo episode where it's like we wish those there weren't those barriers to to weave together those two majors or minors.
2: Yeah for sure. Um, did you get any kind of education in behavioral design in school?
1: Uh, you know I was thinking about this. I'm afraid to answer because <laughs> If you've listened to this podcast before, you know that I have, that Eric was my professor. And (laughs) if I say no and I had it, I will feel so bad. Um, I don't remember having a behavioral design class. I might have. um, I mean, like it's spring of 2022 and I did graduate two years ago. So I don't remember, but I do like just reading and learning about behavioral design. I do feel like I probably would have remembered if we had a whole class dedicated to it, or I guess what you were saying, just having some sort of intersection between design and behavioral psychology.
2: Yeah. And like, I didn't even realize that behavioral design was a thing. Like, I think if I had known even what that topic was or like what the, what the name of wanting to use design to influence good behavior was called, then I think I would have tried more to learn about this and like ask my psychology professors. I took social psych, which was really interesting, but that was more about how people relate to each other, not necessarily how behavior works. Yeah.
1: I feel like when I'm thinking of behavioral design and psychology, I think it is very like a a prominent class in like this area of study in marketing, but I do feel like that kind of marketing is more geared to consumerism because that's just what marketing is. I feel like there could be like an easy way to have some sort of marketing or just behavioral psychology that isn't so geared towards consumerism that does have like a kind of, um, weaves into like the ethics that we were talking about, like an ethical marketing, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah. 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 There was this class in the strategic communications major of the comm school, which is like, if you don't know what stratcom is, it's like kind of marketing kind of design, kind of like pulling those two aspects together. Um, and there was a class called persuasion or like intro to persuasion or something like that. And I never took it because, like, I didn't really have time in my schedule. Like, I didn't want to add on a whole other class. But like, looking back, I kind of wish that I had because I probably would have learned either like a lot of these tactics, um, maybe more so through writing because that was a lot of this StratCom major. Um, but I wish that I had taken that class so that I could know more about just how to how to persuade people and how to get people to act in a good way the way that you want while still um while still in line with their own values and what they want and like I keep kind of saying that like yes do what I want but also do what you want <laughs> because that's such, that has to be such a big part of behavioral design so that like I said like you're not on you're not borderlining on manipulation. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I'm thinking about like, what are our suggestions um, for bringing this into the classroom? And um, in, I think it was one of Katie's YouTube videos, she mentions that behavior mapping allows designers to map out the targets day, and then very strictly like pinpoint the behavior you want to change. So I think a good way to bring this into the classroom would be UI UX design, and for me, Katie was talking about power grids and how um, consumers use power. And I'm here sitting in my apartment that is pretty warm because I like to have a a warm environment. (laughs) But I was thinking what if the assignment was to say something that we use every single day, like us personally, um, and we want to change our own behavior. And what can we do with UI UX design to change that behavior? So for me, with my thermostat, I would like to have like a little like, Alarm, that's not too alarming, but like an (laughs) alarm that uh, is like you're using like an extreme amount of electricity to heat your home right now, maybe take it down a couple degrees, because I honestly I don't know how much power I'm using like it's just I'm not aware of that people in their day to day lives are just not aware of how much energy fossil fuels like things we're using. For me, I feel like that would be a really cool project for just going through our day to day and seeing personally what we would want to change and how we can change that and like target the one behavior.
2: That's, that sounds super interesting. This can also tie back to our design thinking episode because you have to do a lot of design thinking to really get to what the user wants while also like shifting them into You know, like you said, like you really like your apartment to be warm, but what are some ways that you can, um, still maintain, you know, either that warmth or like your feeling of comfort while also bringing the degrees down in your, in your building. And I think design thinking could be, you know, start teaching design thinking in classes and get to the root causes of like why people have the habits that they do have. And then how do we change them? um, so i really like that idea of pinpointing in your own life or maybe even it's like a partner's life because i don't know it could be tough to like look at your own like scrutinize your own life and be like all right this is Mm -hmm. this is where i'm not doing well that could be kind of hard to admit to some people i don't know um Mm -hmm. but yeah i think that's a really that's a really interesting idea
1: also really reinforcing those little positive rewards So, like, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of, as a college student, probably a lot of people are online shopping. Maybe it's, like, if you check out with just one item, you get a smiley face. Or if you check out with ten items, you maybe get a little frowny face or, like, a, "Mm, don't really love that. Where it's just these simple rewards or, like, a little consequence. And Katie talked about maybe using characters. So, maybe it's, like, a cute little bird. um, And it's just... And it's just like positive reinforcing or negative reinforcing. And I really,
2: I loved how Katie was in the Clamify episode, just talking about gamification and how we are so much more inspired to do things when we're in competition with other people. Um, because we to, intrinsically humans want to be best. Like we want to, you know, uh, win against those around us. And so creating some kind of game or some kind of, or maybe not even creating a game, but having, building in a game on maybe an app that we already use or within the energy that we already have, like your thermostat could, you know, if you use less energy than you did the day before, you get a smiley face or you, i don't know what else in I like
1: uh, you, like you sign up with your family and it's like a family thing and then you see which of your family uses the least amount of electricity in a month or something
2: or your roommates like you could see which of your roommates are using the least amount of electricity in their rooms or something like that um just make it like a small competition where it doesn't feel like it really is a competition but you see the stats and you're like oh like she she's she's using less energy
1: than I am I don't think so and then just like you know build up from there I think that could be really really cool yeah mm-hmm. the last thing that I was inspired by in Katie's TED talk specifically was just and you mentioned this a little bit before but really supporting students to be creative and to be optimistic instead of that fear and doom um, and we talked a little bit about this in the ego anxiety where like you just, you kind of feel like paralyzed with all that doom when you have that knowledge, when you're learning too much about all the negative things about the environment. Katie really just hammered in the fact that like creativity and optimism is the path to take. Um, and yeah, maybe just having a project just based on optimism, creativity, or, or maybe like in the beginning of a class, just having 30 minutes to look up like the good eco news of the day or like cool creative projects that people are working on.
2: Yeah, no, imagine if the first 30 minutes of a design class, you just looked up all of the really cool innovative technology that's happening in the design sphere that benefits the environment. Um, Mm. Like maybe you're looking up new products that are, or like new materials that are being invented. Um, Like, You know what just came to mind? the Office of Ordinary Things, the Algae Inc. Like, I don't know, like looking up cool stuff like that. Where do people like find these things? And how do you, how do you come across these really cool innovative technologies that designers are using? So even just 30 minutes in the beginning of a class to look up and get inspired by that, or like maybe it's not even every class, but it could be like right before a workshop or a studio or something like that. Like just looking up and seeing what other designers are doing around the world to get some inspiration.
1: Yeah, and Eric actually introduced me to the Office of Ordinary Things and um, showed us the LG Inc project. So maybe it is the the educator just taking 10 or 15 minutes at the beginning of class and showing a really cool project that they found because I'm sure all the educators um, have more resources and know way more projects. Um, that they can show their students and that'd be a really cool way to connect with your students um, and also just take that time and yeah be optimistic and show really cool innovative work.
2: I think it's it's just as important to be real with your students like I think what we had talked about on this show before especially the eco-anxiety episode um, being real with your students about the climate crisis while also giving room to be optimistic about it. Um, And those can be very difficult to balance, but I think it's important that we try because with all of the eco-anxiety and the eco-grief that we feel, there has to be the optimism that we can look forward to and really just allow ourselves to imagine a better world and think about, you know, what would this city look like if there were trees growing out of the windows or like what Katie Patrick was Imagining and building in her in her own head. This is a really, really interesting discussion. And I know that this isn't my last discussion on behavioral design and just the ways that we can utilize it in our own design practices um, and using gamification and just behavioral techniques and everything. But this is a really interesting conversation.
1: Yeah. And I think it did a good job of kind of tying together all the previous episodes and everything we talked about. Like you said before, just wrapped it up in a cute little bow. And again, Katie Patrick is so cool. Um, I yep. suggest everyone, I think you can sign up to her website and get some tools in her toolkit and resources. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Um, so, hey, Katie, thanks for inspiring this episode and for <laughs> inspiring us. I think, uh, I feel pretty inspired after this conversation.
1: I do, yeah, me too, very yeah. inspired.
2: I think this was a good a good topic to end on. Um, well, thank you all so much for listening to our mini series, Deep Dive. It's been so great. I'm Rachel.
1: And I'm Grace. And thank you for listening. All right, bye. Bye.